Ladies and fellows, man, welcome back to another installment of the No Script Podcast. Your host, B-Rack, back with the family, Dan Dutton. What it do, big dog? What's up, buddy? How you, how you been, man? Living, man. Living the life. Dream. Uh, loving it. I like it, bro. I like it. You almost got your way uh, today, man, when you were joking around earlier today about, hey, man, so 9 o'clock your time tonight, and, you know, it's <laughs> 8.37 my time, so, you know, you almost got what you asked for even if you were kind of trolling me but yeah no that was a troll to start and then we had i had some technical difficulties on my end with the app but you know i think we could we could talk smack my anchor till they decide to sponsor us so they're actually <laughs> crashing on me so. yeah I, <laughs> I don't I, we're not making any monetary gains off this right now but we would like hey, to yeah. in the future yeah if you don't want me saying these things you know what I'm saying sponsor you know what I'm saying those a couple bucks i won't say it but yeah, it kept crashing on me, so I had to re, uh, uninstall, reinstall, but I think we're we're good now. Anchor's waiting for you to get a PC, bro, and stop, you know, going off the phone, man. Yeah, if Anchor is waiting for that, the bucks they throw me <laughs> will lead me to that. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I, I feel you. So if I'm... they want to they sponsor my PC upgrade, then you know, I'm all for it. Speaking of things not being sponsored, I am drinking a Wilder Whiskey Seltzer from my boy Will Bigger. That I met at the gym. Um, damn, if I do need an alcoholic beverage to sponsor me, it's, de- it's definitely Wilder Whiskey right here. So I'm, I'm definitely plugging that in when we post this episode. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely been uh, talking about that for the last like couple months or a month or so. I remember you talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's good, dude. Real subtle. You know, I have nightmares about um, especially Jack Daniels, man. I just, you know, so I was a little skeptical. When I was going to try the same, but it, dude, it hits, it hits. It just a little bit of a scent, so I kind of get some PTSD whenever I drink it. But we're we're good. We'll so, say we want to save that, uh, <clears throat> save those stories for another podcast, huh? Yeah, that's gonna have to be yeah, gonna be some dark episodes. Get get Demas and Swindle <laughs> in here, dude. We're talking about get a lot of different people up in there. So, bro, I'm excited about this episode. So I, who we have coming on. Uh, I met this dude. Actually, I met one of his boys at the bowling alley because, you know, I bowled a uh, single sports shot league when I came out here in North Carolina. You know, super cool. A lot of dope people there. And I remember one of the first <clears throat> it was Tuesday nights. So we would have been bowling tonight. But obviously the league's over. And the first time I came in, um, met this. Uh, I didn't really like meet him, meet him. But I came across this white dude. Crazy revs on the ball. Right. Uh, I believe his lady was with him, and then I seen uh, this this cool ass dog, and then I seen they had all these same shirts with the same company on it. It's all real deal kennels. So I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. And so I came up to dude, and I was like, hey man, I was like, I, I love your dog, you know, beautiful looking dog and stuff like that. I was like, is that do you breed or is this your business? He's like, no, this is my it's my buddy's business right here. And then you know, I think a few weeks later, uh, I ended up approaching him saying, what's up? So. I am proud to present my boy that I just met over the last couple of months, Antoine Robinson, I believe the founder of Real Deal Kennels. So welcome to the show, bro. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you. So um, I'm, I'm looking across your Instagram page right now, and I just want to start getting into the bread and butter with these with these pit bulls, because that, that, was, that was the first thing that I saw when I walked into this bowling alley. One... I didn't realize this guy was a full-time legend on the in you know on the lanes, <laughs> and then he's out here breeding dogs. Like, oh man, bro, it's something else. So, 
give us a little bit of background about like, you know, who you are, where you're from, and then how you kind of started out the business that you've been cultivating right now. Uh, yeah. So first off, thanks for having me. Um, mm-hmm. As far as how I kind of got started, I kind of grew up in Jacksonville, North Carolina, uh, off the coast a little bit. Um, but I actually grew up as the basketball guy. And I grew up playing basketball, um, dabbled in baseball here and there, and then I obviously bowled. But, you know, bowling and basketball season around the same time. So mm-hmm. I had to choose one. So I kind of jumped into basketball. Um, actually went to college for basketball um, here in Winston is, is kind of how I got here. Um, so grew up and actually when I was growing up, I actually had a dog. Um, he was a boxer and I was little, but I was scared of him. And I actually was mm-hmm. scared of dogs growing up. So it kind of just is ironic now. Um, and as I got older, went to college, um, I kept asking my parents for another dog. Every Christmas I was, at, I would ask my parents for another dog and they were like, no, you're scared of him. You can't, you can't take care of him. And said, so I, I said, as soon as I go to college, I'm going to get one. So I went and got one. I'm playing college basketball plus having a dog. Um, and I kind of just started that way. And I had that one dog. He was a pit bull. His name's Jock. I still got him now. Um, that was about six, seven years ago. Um, and having him was an eye opener. Um, I obviously got over my fear of dogs with him. Um, and then from him, him being a pit bull, he kind of scared a lot of people. You know, you can't go to a lot of apartments and places to live with those type of dogs. So he scared mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, and then getting into the training part of everything, it kind of happened out of nowhere, really. I kind of had him. I finished school, got done with school, and I was planning to go overseas. And what had happened was I had my boy, Jock, and I had a girlfriend at the time. My girlfriend wanted to get a dog as well. So we got a female dog. Didn't get him fixed. They accidentally had puppies. Okay, mm-hmm. so it kind of started with that. They had puppies. I sold them $300, $400 because it was an accident anyway. And then I ran across some people and they were like, you know, you could breed dogs for thousands of dollars and this and that and that. And I was like, what? And I got into that. So that's how training actually started because I went and bought a dog named Faith who had mm-hmm. papers. Um, that's the dog I bring a lot, bring around everywhere. She had papers. Um, and I just wanted to take her out and make her the best she could be because she was my first dog with papers. I loved her. So I trained her, took her to a dog park. A lady literally said, hey, do you train dogs? I was like, no. And Faith was like three, four month, months old. But I mean, she could do everything. I could tell her to stay about 50 feet from me. She wouldn't move. So the lady saw me. She said, hey, do you train dogs? I was like, no. She said, well, do you train? Did you train that one? And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, I'll pay you $50 to train mine. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> let's do it. So I literally, literally, literally. Went home that night, got on YouTube, watched YouTube all night on how to train dogs. Went, literally just tried it out on her dog and kind of, she loved it. Went to her friend, word of mouth, word of mouth. And from there, I was like, mom, I think I could do this. So I was stuck between the choice of going overseas to play basketball and or going to school. And obviously, you see which one I picked. Damn, that, bro, that is wild because when, uh, if you guys haven't gotten a chance to, I, I've been posting a lot of it on my Instagram, but real deal kennels underscore NC underscore. But at, at some points when I'm watching your videos, bro, like I confuse you for a dog psychologist, bro. Like yeah, the way you break everything down and explain it. I'm like, this dude literally sounds like he's got a master's in like understanding how a dog could react, how, like how it reacts and, you know, the way it's supposed to interact with society and how it responds to the trainer or whoever. So it's pretty incredible. I just, so how long did it take you to kind of, I guess, 
get that that first dog that you train that lady that just out of the blue said i'll give you 50 bucks if you train my dog like how long did it kind of take you to get into like a routine or see results uh you kind of see results as far as my training and how well i at training other people that took mm-hmm. a while um i think a lot of people kind of mistake dog training for dog training is not really dog training i mean a lot of people know that mm-hmm. it's people training so what i think i had to grow and learn how to do was to teach different people um in different ways because all dogs kind of learn the same when you when i went to school it's funny you say it but when i went to school the first thing that they teach is actually psychology for people they don't mm-hmm. teach anything about a dog they teach all psychology for people and then how that compares to dog psychology and then the whole shebang of training dogs. So I think the results that I was trying to get um, from training, it took a while to train people, maybe about two or three months until I got to the point of, okay, this is how you train this this type of person. Because nine times out of 10, the dog was easy. Once once you teach the dog the way he understands or she understands, dogs Mm -hmm. follow suit, but it's the people that's hard, you know? Right. No, I, I can definitely understand from at least from my vantage point of being a physical therapist, like you have all the tools to be able to teach the dog this, that and the third. I got all the tools to get a patient back on their feet and stuff like that. Now, if yeah. they if they require extra help, I try to tell them, hey, what I show you 45 to 60 minutes out of the day, two days a week will not yield you maximum exactly. results if you're not doing anything on the other days in between. And that's probably the same thing you try to tell, you know, the trainers or the people mm-hmm. that you interact with. Always. So, but, uh, man, so that's probably, also... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dan. You're good. So I was going to say that kind of goes on like the saying I've always, always heard, you know, there's not, there's no such thing as a bad dog. It's a bad owner. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's really big because, all dogs kind of make their reactions based off of what they, what they, you know, get introduced to. And I think people also, a big thing that people don't understand is that dogs age at a different age. Um, A lot of people, I say it all the time, a lot of people train dogs and teach them and treat them like their kids, but you don't discipline them like their kids. And because dogs age at a different, different, you know, rate, they die around age 15, 10 to 15. That means when they, years old they are equivalent to almost a eight to nine to ten year old kid so that means mm-hmm. when a dog is around four months old you know maybe two or three weeks after you get them they are already equivalent to like a four or five year old kid which your five four or five year old little brother or little sister or you know son you would start teaching them somewhat of some manners obviously not too much discipline but just you know enough manners and i think people don't even start training their dogs until around six eight nine months old and that's already like a 12 or 13 year old teenager at that point so when you wait that long because of that they get a lot of bad behaviors that i now have to fix before i can even install the new ones right mm-hmm. um so i think most of the time it's not even that there's bad owners i think it's more so as just the ignorance of not understanding that part of dog training so because of that that's you know where i kind of get all my money from because everybody kind of struggles in that, in that, you know, understanding of you got to train them early and knowing how to train them at that age too. So. Absolutely. How, how early do you suggest, or what's the earliest you've started training a a pup or even like a, you know, a new dog owner? 
Um, as far as, I mean, legally, you can't even train a dog until it's got all three of his shots, you know, to be around other dogs. Okay. Um, but for dogs like me, like if I, cause I breed dogs as well. So if I know right. I'm going to keep a dog, I start breeding them actually around six or seven weeks old. The moment that they have some type of stimulation, as far as, um, they're, they're chasing food, their prey drive mm-hmm. is starting to kick in. Like, Hey, how do I get this? How do mm-hmm. I get this reward? As soon as they start giving me that behavior, I mold what I want out of it. So if you want this treat, you got to put your butt on the ground. And it's not even teaching them sit or saying the word sit, but just trying to mold that behavior. Hey, nudge their butt down as their butt hits the ground, give them a treat. You know, So at that age, it's not even really training training, but it's more so of trying to get their mind to realize, hey, I do this with my body. This mm. is the reward I get. So I start around six or seven weeks old and it, Obviously, it gets a little bit more um, more strategic in how I train as they get older. But I definitely started at a young age. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. There was a couple a couple things in, like, uh, the Instagram videos I was watching um, as far as the visual stimuli that a dog can get and then mm-hmm. how, you, how you treat them in response to that visual stimuli. So one of them was uh, that fear factor you were talking about. You made yeah. an analogy of if you're afraid – of a roller coaster and I was, and we were about to go on it. Would I tell you to keep staring at this roller coaster the whole time mm-hmm. to instill more of that fear? Or are we just going to keep walking forward? Cause we're going to do this anyway, no matter what. Exactly. And that's kind of like what you were getting with the, with the dog, you know, um, you know, if they're looking at this, looking at this other dog and they may be having these fears, like, okay, I'm, I may start barking, you know, I want to maybe like jump on them or something like that. And you're trying to block their vision you know, to not let them see, you know, what's causing that fear or you're petting them. Basically what I interpret petting them is reinforcing that, like what they're feeling is good. Exactly. So like, I I love that analogy. Yeah. And one of the biggest things we talk about when we train dogs is understanding the mental and um, a lot of dogs, a lot of dog owners will call their dog to them and, you know, say, Hey, come sit. And the dog Mm -hmm. sits, but then he immediately turns around and looks at, everything else and then you praise him in that moment because he sat mm-hmm. somewhere else is no different than being in class and while you're sitting in class you're on your phone so you're physically in the seat but you're mentally not absorbing what you need so because of that the dog physically comes and sits he says i'm doing what i'm supposed to do but i'm mentally staring at another dog and you're praising the dog for that so now the dog's okay i'm supposed to sit and stare at everything else. And that's where reactivity comes from because now he is forced most of the time too, when he stares at something else, he is positioned in between you and the scary thing or the new thing. So because he's a step ahead of you, kind of standing in front of you and he's staring at it, he now feels like I have to embrace that new thing first. Not or my owner embraces it first. So because of that, that's where reactivity comes. That's where adventurous character uh, characteristics come out as far as they want to go sniff and say hi to everybody first without kind of giving them that okay to do so. And all of that kind of just comes just because of literally not understanding when to reward them as far as being mentally focused with you or as well as physically focused with you, not just one or the other. Right. Right. There was, um, I think I, I kind of showed you that same respect in the bowling alley when I saw you bring, uh, I think it was chaos, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, obviously the instinctual person in me wants to, oh, a dog, let me like pet it. But because I knew what you were about and what you brought to the table, how you carry yourself as far as, you know, uh, taking care of the dogs and stuff like that. I was like, you let me let me ask, make sure it's OK for me to pet this dog. And then, like, I let you do your thing. You told you told chaos to come. He sat sat next to me and just. It, I mean, it was a cool, and he was so happy, like just want, want to be pet and everything. It's just, mm. I, I had that respect for you. Cause I knew like, I wasn't just going to be a regular person that just gave this dog a whole bunch of stimuli, even though it already gets on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like I want to give you that, that courtesy and respect. And that's really cool. One thing that a lot of people don't know is when you see like service dogs out and about and it says, do not pet and stuff, people don't mm-hmm. do that to be mean. You know, and a lot of times I have to be a little bit mean, like, no, you can't pet this dog. And they're like, why, you know, why, right. why am I not allowed to say hi? It's mm-hmm. not that you can't say hi, but when you, a lot of times true service dogs, when you have a service dog, you are literally training it to do something, to do mm-hmm. a job. If your dog is consistently getting pet every time it goes into a new store, when your dog comes into a new store, it'll just be like every other dog and it starts wagging his tail like, hey, somebody pet me, somebody pet me. So if mm-hmm. his job is to either protect me or to take care of me if I get a seizure or any of those things, he now is not even paying attention to me because he's more worried about getting love from somebody else. So mm-hmm. that's why we try to teach them, don't go looking for affection until we kind of give you that okay to do so. Because if you're not, you should be paying attention to my move so that you can help me whenever I need you to. And that's the big thing about not letting service dogs be pet is not because you're trying to be mean to, you know, everybody else that wants to pet them. So that's kind of what that, why they, why a lot of trainers do that. Absolutely. I definitely understand a little bit better now for sure. Um, so there was, a uh, another thing I wanted to get into with, uh, with the dogs. Um, I know you said all dogs kind of like respond the same or, you know, when you start training them, they kind of, you know, absorb the same information, um, it's kind of just dependent on, you know, their age rate and whatnot. Have you noticed if there are any breeds, whether that be a bulldog, a pit bull, a, a Rottweiler or a Doberman that you feel is needs a little bit more attention or that doesn't respond as quickly to, yeah. you, to your training? Of course. Um, there's a lot of different breeds. So uh, one of the biggest things that I think owners need to be aware of is that different breeds bring different things to the table. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not a a breed is not necessarily harder to train than the other. One breed is bred to do a certain task or to be more active than the other. So for instance, um, one of the big things I try to teach people all the time and is that pit bulls are bred to resource guard. They were bred to be on farms, chase rats away, chase any of the rodents away from the farm. So they were bred to grow up, say, this is my space. I claim this space and anything in this space that comes in without, you know, any permission it's I'm going to kill it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is people don't understand that. So you train your pit bulls and, and not all pit bulls, because remember, you don't want to generalize something for a breed. Right. But this breed was bred for that. But then you have some of the pit bulls who don't who don't act on that as strongly as others. But as a whole, the pit bull was bred to do that. So if you don't train them, that a pit bull, you want to train them to understand, hey, this is not your space. This is my space that I'm allowing you in. Therefore, you should not be protecting it. And that's where you get a lot of these pit bulls who you hear bad stories about them attacking kids and going mm-hmm. after, you know, people. And that's because they claim something, either a space, a person, a bone, a toy. Um, dog food they claim it and they say i'm going to kill you if you touch it because no matter who it is yes exactly and and they don't understand a baby from an adult you know Mm -mm. they just know you're touching my stuff um so 
and then you have the Dobermans, you know, you have the Rottweilers who all kind of have those same type of tendencies. So as far as all of those breeds, to answer your question of which dog is harder to train, none of them are harder to train. You have to understand what breed you got and mm -hmm. then train according to what they were bred for so that you can, you know, get out the, the problems, which is not even a problem. It's more so they're instinctual, you know, things you want to take those away if you don't want them. And some people do want them because they actually hunt with their dogs and whatnot. Um, so I don't think there's one over the other. Um, Dobermans and Malinois, they they definitely are bred to be a little bit more active, a little bit more giddy uppy. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, you definitely they definitely take a little bit more work as far as taking them outside to play more, getting some energy out, giving them stuff that um, keeps their mind rolling. They're not the dog that sits around all day. And that's why you see that those those dogs have a lot of anxiety and problems getting when they get older because a lot of people get them as pets, but they're not they're not technically bred to be pets. They're more so bred to have a job because they move too much. They want to do too much, you know? So they normally have more problems than others because of that problem, because people get them and don't actually do nothing with them. So it's almost like when you get a dog, you kind of got to get a dog to match like your activity level, right? Yeah. Cause if you get a dog that needs a lot of, you know, exercise or a lot of play, like some mm -hmm. dogs do, and you're the type of person that's like, no, I just want my dog to just kick it on the couch and chill. Yeah. And, you know, so you got to get a breed that's, that is okay with that, right? Yeah. So yes and no. So yes, you want to get a breed that's okay with that, but there's some breeds, it's, it's some dogs that even though their breed calls for something, it doesn't mean that they act like it. Right. Um, so like, for instance, I have 11 bullies. Okay. I have three or four bullies that are off the wall. I mean, they don't stop moving. They always want to do something. And then I have a couple of my bullies who just want to lay down all day. I have some bullies that resource guard stronger than others, even though they were trained the same way. So that kind of falls under the thing of you can't stereotype it as I need to pick this breed for my lifestyle. You have to research the breed that you want and then still pick the, the best dog out of that breed that fits your lifestyle. Because either way, they can still come out you know, more calm or more hyper than other. No, I like that compare. I mean, and now after hearing you say all that, you kind of, you can hear how closely related to me a dog could be to just a regular human being. Like we yeah. all are kind of molded uh, depending on who raised us, the mm -hmm. environment we surrounded ourselves in, uh, how we perceive or receive certain information, yes. you know, cause obviously me and my brother, we grew up in the same household, but mm -hmm. we didn't grow up to be the same person. So the same thing goes with the dog. So like you said, you could be looking for a certain breed that would match maybe your personality or what you're wanting out of a dog. But just because, you know, like you said, with, uh, with a pit bull, they, they were trained or raised to do a certain job or like that's their breed. They might not necessarily come out that way, depending on how you let them interact in your environment or how you treat them or how they hear you interact with other people. So that's like forever changing. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing is like, you know, my motto is to change the stigma is trying mm -hmm. to teach people is not the breed. And a lot of people say that, but I don't think they go into depth. Like the people, um, like, I don't know, shout out to Kylie canines. Um, they're, they're on Netflix, but them, there's a really good trainer named Tom Davis, but I wish that those guys, um, would say the stuff that people really need to hear as far as like changing the stigma. But the reason why is because it's almost just like humans. Like you say, 
so many people look at bullies and write them off just because of what they look like. You look at German Shepherds, mm-hmm. Rottweilers, you get so scared of them. You write them off just because of what you what they look like and the horror stories that you hear. So you just write them off completely. You don't even give them a chance. And I think that kind of I'm drawn more to those breeds, obviously, because of my business, too. But I'm drawn more to those breeds because it's almost I kind of take it um, to heart a little bit because it's the same as me, me being an African-American. I'm young. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of just compares to me so much because if somebody just takes a look, a look at me, they could kind of put in their own head of what they, who they think I am, you know, versus mm-hmm. actually knowing who I am. And then once you know who I am, you can say, OK, that's a good guy. It has nothing to do with him being African-American or whatever race that he is. He's a good guy just because he's a good guy. And the same goes as that's a good dog because it's a good dog, not because it's what breed it is. So I think that's where I'm really big on this change, the stigma, just because I can compare to it so much. I I love that, man. And and that's absolutely true. I mean, I've I've came across so many people here since I've been here because I want a pit bull, but I know how much time and effort it would require of me to raise it to what I want it to be and, and whatnot. And I'm just not home enough to be able to dedicate that type of time. But whenever I tell people like, yeah, man, I just, I love pit bulls. I love this, that, and the third. And it's like, I don't know, man. I had like, had, they always tell me like these horror stories. They have. Yeah. And it's justifiably so I get it. Like, you know, if you have a tra- traumatic event, I can understand why, you know, you would feel a, a, some type of way about a particular dog, but to not have the understanding or to not have the willingness to, you know, understand why that may have happened and understand like why not all breeds are like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it, like you said, it's ignorant to just shut yourself off from that whole thing because of one scenario. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like you said, ignorance, literally lack of knowledge because there's so much false information going around as far as breeds and what they do. And I think that just gets passed around so much and it's not enough people telling the good knowledge versus the people telling the bad knowledge. And I think that's mm-hmm. just how it's going. Absolutely. I saw a couple uh, a couple more videos where you guys are in Home Depot. Uh, I think the most recent one was Hainstown Mall. Yeah. And then I think you guys were in Target. So and it'll be a group of you guys with your dogs, various breeds. It's not just pit bulls. Um, how do you guys set that up as far as, uh, you know, getting to those esta- those public esta- establishments? Do you guys just all go together? Do you talk to ownership or and then what is your goal when you guys do those things, those outings? Yeah, so we definitely talk to the owners. Um, a lot of owners actually love it. A lot of people, you know, you get a kind of, you get a lot of uh, different responses. But some people are like, "Oh my God, they have a pit bull in here," and some people are like, "Wow, they have a pit bull in here." So you kind of get both responses. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people love it. So obviously, Northside where we met at Bowling, yeah, um, they're very family oriented. So they they love they love they love supporting us and letting us come in and do our training there. Um, mm-hmm. Target. Um, I actually went in there the first time by myself and then another time with a client and it was just me and her and the Mm -hmm. manager came up to me um, and he was like, hey, man, I just want you to know if I'm ever here. He was a GM. He said, if I'm ever here, you can bring as many dogs in here as you want to to train because this is important for people to do. So it's not like I kind of just go up and ask for permission because I already have the permission because I have a service dog. Sure. Um, But I think a most of the time I keep going back to these places because people love to see it. They love to see people actually working with their dogs and doing something good with their dogs versus just letting them kind of do, you know, do whatever they want to do. Um, And then I think to your second question was, you know, why are we doing it? Was that what you asked? 
Yeah, like the goal. Yeah, the goal pretty much um, is, you know, teaching them to do whatever service they're they're needed to do. Um, but my dog, Faith, uh, she's an American bully. She's very mean looking, but she's very sweet. Mm-hmm. I just love training as many bullies, German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Dobermans as I can um, for people that need the service. Because my goal is to show people, hey, look at this breed. This breed can do this too. You know, this breed can be helpful too. It's not that they just go bite babies and do this. They can also do the good things for people, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's my big goal. But as far as just, you know, the clients going out there, they're trying to get their dogs, you know, to that same level of, Hey, come out here. Don't be focused on everything else. Be focused on me. Help me do whatever I need to do to survive is whether Mm -hmm. it be to detect seizures, um, help them walk around. Um, I have a client that has muscular dystrophy, so, you know, she she struggles with walking. So having a dog that can help her stand up or, you know, pull things. So there's a lot of different things. So just t- taking them out there and letting them get comfortable with carts and cars and different people and just being able to still function in that atmosphere. Dang, that that is pretty crazy to, to you know, I was just having a conversation with my patients earlier today um, and she's a little bit older. She's probably in her 90s. And she was saying she had a granddaughter, had a German shepherd. And she's like, yeah, I wish. Uh, I could get my granddaughter's German shepherd to kind of maybe like help me around the house a little bit more and stuff like that. And they live out in Burlington and I'm like, shit, I, I, I might know a dude. I, 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 I might know a yeah. dude. <laughs> so it's crazy. I just, I've never seen that in action, you know, especially like if, you know, God forbid I ever had, I've been in healthcare. I've never had to witness anyone go through a seizure or heart attack or anything like that. But to see how a dog would respond in that time of crisis would, would be something you know, incredible. It'd be yeah. like a blessing and a curse, but it is to see how a dog will respond. It's actually really crazy. cool. To, it's not really cool to see. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying, bro. Um, but I actually had a client. Uh, she was one of my first ever clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a, a German shepherd. She actually ended up working with me later. Um, she became a trainer. She's still okay. a trainer to this day. She doesn't work with us anymore. She moved on, but she did. She had a German shepherd. She struggled with seizures. I trained her dog. Um, and what she would do is if, uh, the lady had a seizure she would lay on top of her and she would bark and bark and bark and alert um, she also would be able to kind of see it before it happens um, and kind of start barking and she kind of just helped people um, realize that she is having her seizure so I trained her to do it um, and for the first time actually Caitlin was actually working with me she was at my facility she was training a client and in the middle of her session she had a seizure um, and her dog did exactly what it was trained to do came right next to her started barking um, and literally just kind of kept the situation under control as far as she helped everybody kind of, I don't know. I think seeing her dog go into action was like, Hey, she's good. Don't freak out. You know? So it kind of let everybody else understand her dog is, is trained to do this. These happen all the time. Mm -hmm. The dog has it controlled. Don't freak out. So it made it a lot easier for other people to, you know, be able to be there and see it and say, okay, look at that. Look at that dog. He, he has it under control. So it's really cool to see the dog in work, you know, man, that is, that is so incredible. That's crazy. I, when you see like so many things that these, like, you know, different breeds or just dogs in general are capable of doing, it's crazy. Like doing like, you know, dealing with that, or there's like some dogs that could sense if you're like blood sugar starting to drop, yeah. like, it's like, how do they know these? It's crazy. Or they're like, so smart. like even like the, like the hunting dogs, there's like, they, they're not getting like 
crazy training. That's just like more like on the job training. Like they just watch the dog that they know, mm-hmm. you know, like the alpha dog that's already trained. And, and uh, like, I'll watch one of these hunting shows and they just let these dogs go and they just chase whatever, you know, whatever animal they were hunting up a tree. And then they just yeah. stand there and bark the whole time. Or, you know, if it was one like they're, they're shooting birds and they shoot it and the dog just runs, grabs it and brings it back. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so instinctual too, because dogs are just, naturally smart and whenever you put them in their own little realm um, and you let them be who they want to be it's really cool to see and the crazy thing I tell people all the time training itself dog training to me is actually not cruel but it's just to me it's not right because think dogs are literally supposed to be doing what they want to do they're supposed to be in the wild killing Mm -hmm. you know killing animals, eating animals, you know what I'm saying? So they're really domesticated wolves. So a lot of times we kind of harness who they are supposed to be so that we can make them into a pet. And if you think about it in that perspective, it's like, well, dang, that is, that is kind of messed up because then you bring them to me for me to teach them to not do what they were born to do so that they can Mm -hmm. fit in society. Well, you know what I'm saying? Instead of, let the dog be the be the dog is supposed to be because the actions that the dog is performing is actually not bad. It's actually what it's instinctually supposed to do, and we're trying to change that. So mm-hmm. it's not a it's not wrong because uh, I think putting them in society is a good thing, but it is wrong in a sense of being mad at them for acting on what they were born to do. Right. Uh, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a good description would be controlled aggression. At yes. times, you know, yes. uh, instincts, uh, being instinctual on like what you're used to seeing, like you want to, you're being aggressive or assertive, but you want it to be controlled. Exactly. And I think that's where the, uh, the owner comes into play. And I like that you said that, cause I feel like <clears throat> the regular person out there on the streets, they, you know, quote unquote, they train their dog, right. To yeah. do certain things or just to be good enough in the house. And mm-hmm. if I play devil's advocate, they could probably look at your training style and they're like, well, hold on. That, that looks like a little too aggressive or something like that. Or like, you know, you're because I watch your videos and you're very stern to the yes. point, you know, I, and, I, and I love that because that's what's going to take the, the dog's going to take you serious. And then the owner's going to take you serious. Mm-hmm. So have you ever and you probably have received some backlash, whether that be out in the streets randomly or maybe even someone that you're a yeah. client that you're inter- interacting with right now? Yeah. So a lot of times uh, I get clients every day, new clients every day. You get the clients to have doodles. You get the clients to have, you know, the the little soft dogs Mm -hmm. and the dogs that come in that do not have problems already. And they're trying to bring them in to jump the curb. They are always the ones who say, oh, but we're hurting him or oh, but I don't want him to feel pain or oh, Mm -hmm. I don't want him to be mad at me. Right. And I and they always that's normally the backlash I get at the beginning. And then once I break it down, which is why I'm so big on the psychology part, once I break it down, you know, teach them, hey, it's no different than what you do to your kids. All dog training is, is rewarding when it's when you're supposed to reward and disciplining when you're supposed to discipline. So at the same time, it's no different with your kids. You tell your kids, hey, I want you to get up and take the trash out. They don't get up and take the trash out. You now have to add some form of consequence so that they understand that you're only going to ask once and then they have to do it. And Mm -hmm. then it's even more important to do that with a dog 
because of the reputation that, you know, the bullies and the Rottweilers and Dobermans get. So when you have those type of breeds, when you say a command, the command has to be followed because your pit bull could get off the leash and go chase a kid down to lick him to death. And they mm-hmm. will be ready to put that dog down. So, yes, I get the backlash. But then once I break it down and say it is OK for you to be stern and firm and just a tad mean when needed, because that might be what saves your dog's life. Because a pit bull doesn't get a lot of chances. A Rottweiler doesn't get a lot of chances to run out the house off a leash and mm-hmm. on a kid and just look at the death without them saying, oh, he tried to attack me, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, yes, I get the backlash at first. But I think once I kind of break it down, people understand is this, this is needed. And it's not like what we're training is mean and you're hitting your dog and all that kind of stuff. It's just more so you ask them to do it. If they don't do it, there's a correction. They do it. There's a reward, you know, when to reward and when to correct and teach people. Like I said, again, dogs are your babies, but you should also discipline them like you discipline your babies. Don't just love them and give them beds and blankets like you give your kids, but then not give them discipline like you give your kids when your kids give you back talk or curse or go out and don't come back inside when you tell them to. You give them discipline, too. So why not give your dog discipline when he runs down the street or when he barks at people because that's no different than your kids cursing at somebody you know there's Mm -hmm. so many different if you relate it the right way and you show them hey this is the same as what your child does when your child gives disrespect they'll understand Mm -hmm. it a little bit better absolutely i i love that and i think isn't that not what it is like understanding so like when you try to get somebody that maybe is apprehensive of your training style like this is what i'm trying to get you to understand now if you're not down with that understand that your dog's going to end up reacting this way for however long and if you're okay with handling that and the repercussions that follow that okay that that's something that you have to live with but just understand like if you trust me then let's see this through all the way and you know believe me you're gonna like the rewards and you know if not like like i said you just have to understand both sides of the coin yeah and i try to tell people all the time if you do it right and you train your dog when they're young you don't have to do it so much when they're older and you can let them be no different than a child. You start them off young. You set a foundation young. You teach them what you want, and what you don't want young. So when they get older, you don't have to keep repeating yourself. You don't have to give so many consequences because the foundation is so strong that they kind of fall back on that anytime they kind of get confused or don't know what to do. So a lot of people, I just tell them, if, if you just go ahead and do it when they're kids or when they're puppies, they're going to listen a lot better when they get older. You just have to trust me and go through the process of laying that foundation down. Absolutely agree. Where do you, um, like how far is your reach as far as like where you've done dog training, where you've, uh, you know, sold some puppies and stuff like that. Are you mainly just uh, local within Winston-Salem or, you know, the surrounding cities in North Carolina or what's that? Yeah. So training wise, uh, surrounding cities in North Carolina, um, I think I've trained a dog um, out in Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. one or two dogs out in Georgia. But as far as training goes, yes, yeah, just North Carolina. But I, for breeding, I, I ship worldwide. I've shipped dogs to people, uh, travel and drive dogs to people. Um, I haven't shipped or sold one out of the country yet, but I have sold around the country. So as far as the breeding goes, I, I have extended that far out. But the training kind of just stays right here in Winston-Salem. Um, as far Winston-Salem and then, you know, some of the cities around Winston-Salem, I think the farthest, like I said, Georgia one time and um, Jacksonville, obviously where I'm from, from, I've trained some dogs there. So that's pretty much as far as I've gotten. Okay. And uh, so you obviously started out with, with 
pit bulls. So what are the breeds currently that you guys are, are uh, breeding right now? And then I think most recently you guys had uh, some uh, Labradoodles? Yeah, mini Golden Doodles. So Golden, golden Doodles, okay. Yeah. So um, we started with Bullies, uh, the American Bullies, Pockets, Classics, um, and then the XL. So just different sizes of Bullies. Then mm-hmm. we went into um, Mini Golden. I mean, then we went into Dobermans, uh, Rottweilers, and then now we're at Mini Golden Doodles. So, yeah, we started with Bullies and then kind of just kept going from there, trying to be able to breed almost all the so-called aggressive breeds Mm-hmm. And then help people get these breeds and then also train these breeds from us. So that's one more so-called aggressive breed that we put in the world that has some training. And that helps us change how people perceive these dogs. So pretty much that's kind of the goal. And that's kind of where that's where we are right now as far as what breeds we have. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, a question with, with kind of like along the, the lines of, you know, dog psychology and some of these aggressive dog like breed stigmas and maybe another stigma where they talk about, I just kind of want to get your feelings on this. When they talk about if you have like a male dog, if you get them fixed, if you're not like breeding them to get them fixed, to tone them down, to bring them down. Is that, do you like advocate for something like that? Or is it more like, no, train your dog. Like your dog is built to have that in him. I don't Mm -hmm. take that away from him because you want him to calm down. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, all the people that are vets that's going to watch this are going to hate me, but uh, <laughs> a lot of vets will say all of these things. And yes, some of them have some truth to them, but a lot of vets just want dogs to be fixed more so because there's too many people that don't understand how to work with dogs or train with dogs. And because of that, there's too many dogs in the world. So they figure, hey, if we can figure out ways to get people to neuter their dog, then we can you know, slow down this population of all these dogs that don't get homes that are living in shelters. And I understand that. Um, But to give out some false information, I'm not saying every vet does, but to give out false information to make people do a certain thing to me is crazy. Um, So when you talk and you're going to once I explain it, you're going to be like, well, yeah, you're right. Neutering a dog just takes away his sexual drive. So all that does is calms him down when sexual drive is near so if he wants to mate with a female and another male is present he might get aggressive with the other male because he wants to mate right or if he gets around another male he might want to dominate the other male just because he still has that sexual drive no different than if us three was in a room and there was a really pretty girl and we had to figure out who's going to get her first it's the same thing but if if one of us were fixed or you know whatever the case may be for humans one of us would be like you know i don't you know, because mm. we don't have that sexual drive. So when you talk about getting a dog fixed, that does not fix their aggression. That does not fix, um, you know, them being hyper. All of that is just training, uh, teaching a dog. I have a dog right now that's not fixed and he's the sweetest dog ever. And I have a, I literally have a dog downstairs that is, is fixed and he has aggression issues, reactivity issues um, with other dogs. And that all stems from fear um i had him before i even became a trainer he's actually jock who's my first dog's son and before i became a trainer i kept him because i was just breeding um and i had to keep him because i didn't know what i was doing at the time before i was a trainer and i exposed him to a lot of things without showing him that i had it under control and he Mm -hmm. started becoming reactive and before i became a trainer i went and got him fixed because i thought that would fix him and he's still reactive because just because i took away his 
sexual drive does not mean I took away his fear and his fear is what makes him react to act aggressive. So take, taking away his, his private area does not stop him from being aggressive or calming him down. Training is what's going to do that. So all the people that say, Hey, I should go neuter my dog because this and this is going to change. It will not change. Training is what's going to change it. Right. So that's, that's good. I mean, like you said, the misinformation. So, you know, if that's the reason you're going to get your dog fixed, they're not listening or seeking out the right information to understand like, okay, we're only dabbling on a very small percentage of what makes this dog, this dog. Exactly. Uh, there was, uh, there was another thing I wanted to get into. Um, man, I just lost it. Thinking, I got another question too. Go ahead. So when you talk about training your dogs young is the best way. Is there a certain point where like that dog is just, it's too old, you know, to train like this. He's Uh already too old, whether it's like, uh, you know, one of those little dogs that live forever. I mean, we, like I said, we, uh, I didn't say it yet, but we adopted uh, a dog off the street that we found and he was already, you know, toothless, you know, super old. <laughs> yeah. Like he was, we just, we were just taking him in, give him comfortable to, you know, till he's over, but he's still sticking around, but it's, you know, I feel like at a certain age, is it, are they too old to train? Like there's like, I, like you could try to teach them. But there's like, I do, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because, this uh, my whole life. Um, as a trainer, I'm never supposed to say yes, but there is an age. Remember, you know how dogs age. So a dog that's like 10 years old is equivalent to being about 40 to 50, 60 years old, depending on the breed. Right. So that's almost the same question as asking, can you change your grandfather or your grandmother from doing habits that they've done their whole life? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so the answer to that is yes, I could change what my grandfather and grandmother did as far as habits they had their whole life, if I worked really, 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 really hard at it, you know? So (laughs) yes, you can do it. It's not impossible, but it is something that is like, do you have enough time to keep trying to change these habits over and over? And you know, some habits are easier to fix than others, but do you have that much time to, you know, fix that habit or would you rather just allow the dog to live out the rest of his life comfortable without having to try to change habits that he's been doing his whole life, you know? So, I mean, it's a yes and no there. It just really just depends on the habit. And then do you have the time and the dedication to actually sit there and try to reverse something they've been doing for so long? It's funny you made that comparison with the grandparents. Cause I tell my patients that all the time, bro. Like the, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an optimist, but I, I'm a realist. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the optimism in me says, yeah, hell yeah. Anything's possible. But the realist tells me when a patient and I'm helping them walk and stuff like that, and they've had forward posture, it's not terrible, but they're like, Oh, I want to be able to stand up straighter. Right. So I always ask them how long you've been walking like this. I've been kind of been walking like this for the last 20, 30 years. Okay. Uh, you're asking me to fix a 20, 30 year old mm-hmm. your problem in a matter of a couple weeks, couple months. Now I'm saying mm-hmm. I can do it, but are you going to be able to withstand the training I'm going to put you through? And are is that struggle down the road? Are is the reward at the end of the road going to be worth the struggle and and the risk along the way? And a lot of times the answer is no. Yeah. Like you said, if what they're doing right now is is comfortable. It's not dangerous to them or, or, or anybody else. Then I'm kind of just like, okay, we work with what we have right now and just make sure it doesn't get worse. Yeah. And I mean, that compares to like when you, when you talk about board and train, the dog will stay with you for like three weeks 
whenever they go to facilities, they'll stay at facilities for like three or four weeks with different trainers. And then they'll go back home with the parent. And I get so many people that come in and say, hey, I set my dog off when he was a puppy and I got him back and now he's bad. Um, but he did get training. And I don't think they taught him anything. I mean, the trainer showed me that he could listen, but as soon as he got back home, he was bad. And mm. that kind of goes hand in hand in what you're saying, because the dog is three years old and he goes mm-hmm. off for three or four weeks with a trainer who knows what they're doing, who demands respect, who knows how to talk in dog and then gives the dog back. And you think that the four weeks that he just did with that dog is going to trump the three years of bad habits you've allowed that dog to do, especially if you take the dog back home and allow him to do the same behaviors in the same environment that he just left from before he left, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, it, like I said, it's so, it's, such it's so easy to compare it to humans because that's exactly it's the same thing with as far as what you're saying trying to change something that somebody has done for so long it's bad habits they've done for so long and you want me to just change it in three weeks it doesn't work that way no like what what's the like what's the follow-up like there are very little things in life that if it happened to you instantaneously that's just going to turn your whole life like if i hit the lottery okay my life just turned around did a whole 180 (laughs) exactly but you know if you want to even break down terms of the gym, you know, you did not get fat overnight. You are not going to gain muscle overnight. Like Mm -hmm. there's a consistency over a long period of time. And you need to understand if there is a break in, in that consistency that you're just kind of prolonging that, that end goal. Exactly. Same thing with the dog training too. Like, okay, three years of maybe not the best behavior from a dog. I sent him away for about four to six weeks. I got him back. Like, yo, what's the deal? Okay, are you doing anything to reinforce what that dog was taught over the last four to six weeks? If you're not, then what what does that show about you as a person that's taking mm-hmm. care of this dog? Exactly. Let me see your damn kids. Like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is, most board and train facilities, I mean, they they charge like twenty eight hundred, twenty four hundred and up, you know, for a dog to stay for three weeks, four weeks and train. Who in the in their right mind, unless you're rich, sends their dog off pays three thousand dollars and then doesn't go and do what you just sent your dog to learn. Like that's exactly. just absurd to me. I don't, dude. It's just, oh, man, dude. The human, the human mind, the mentality, bro. They just they're that's they're brainwashing to thinking that you just do one thing that it's just I'll never have to deal with it again. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's crazy. Um, I see that uh, this this kickball league hey. that uh, you guys do. Um, you guys got a big community. Like yeah. from what I what I've seen, you guys post. I don't know how deep y'all roll, but I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough of you guys in the bowling alley that I ain't trying to mess with that. But you know, I see you guys stepping onto the kickball field, um, softball. Like, is yeah. this? Are these like organized events just amongst you guys, or like are you legit? Like, this is your league. Like, this is your team that you're bringing into like just a regular old softball league. No, so we have a lot of different platforms. So. Um, we have real deal kennels. Okay. That was the birth of everything. And after Mm -hmm. that, we kind of went everywhere. So we have a car club, uh, 60 to 80 members in it. It's called real deal cars. Um, and then we, after that, we got a kickball team. Um, we call real deal. Um, we went into a kickball league with everybody that's in, if you represent real deal at all, you can be on the team. And then we have a softball team. We actually have worlds this weekend. Uh, when I say worlds, that's like the, the championships of all championships of softball. So we're really dedicated and really um, big in the softball world, slow pitch softball. And then we have, um, so slow pitch softball, uh, kickball, everything real deal. And then we have real deal customs. Uh, We wrap cars, we make merch, we make shirts. 
um, for people. Um, and we just do a lot of different stuff. So uh, we have all of those. It's not just a real deal kennels worth the dogs. So we have a lot of real deal branches. Okay. And, and it just branches out from there. So yeah, we roll deep because there's so many different people that are in different branches and it kind of just helps because somebody's playing softball, they have a dog. Hey, I might as well go to the other branch of real deal and get my dog trained. Or I want a dog. Let's go to the other branch of real deal and get a dog. Or I have a dog and y'all play kickball. Can I go play kickball with y'all? And then obviously, you know, we have our bowling team. Um, so, and we just have a lot of different branches of real deal and real deal kennels kind of just made all of those happen. We kind of just went with it, you know, man, that that's networking at its finest. bro. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian's going to, we're going to bring his whip to Real Deal Customs and get a no script wrap on the car. I'm done. <laughs> hey, come on. Let's yeah, get I it, dude. Well, I actually, I a, dude, uh, when is your next meet? Like, when do you guys have another meet? Uh, probably going to have one next week or the week after. Uh, we try to space them out at least once or, one or two a month. Um, and we're really big in the winter. We have a bonfire. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're really known for the bonfire meet. So we'll have bonfires out there. And it's at the facility. Um, and we'll just bring nice cars out, play cornhole. Um, have the bonfires out there. We we make it really fun. It's not just go look at cars and walk around. It's we try to I make you. it you know real, real um, fun for kids and adults and everything. So, but yeah, I mean we got the car club. I mean it's like you said, it's networking at its finest. My car, I have the Camaro. It's all hooked up with all my dog stuff on the side. So she can definitely we can definitely get that no script up there. You just let us know. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Um, because I don't know if I told I told you I'm moving right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I'm only here for another, let's see, I'm finishing out this week. Next weekend's my last weekend, so that's what I was saying. Like, if you have a meet, I don't know if it's like, you know, like a fraternity, like invite only, like <laughs> no, you'll if see I'm allowed it. to come through. Yeah, you can come. Everybody can come. You'll see it. It's always posted on Real, on Real Deal Cars. It's our Instagram. It'll always be posted up there. And then everything Real Deal, um, that is where everything gets posted. So we have an Instagram page. It's called Everything Real Deal. The car club meets new dogs that are getting bred training real deal customs everything that is real deal will be on that page softball all of it well dude hopefully i can uh my, my plan is uh you know next weekend when i leave i think it's the weekend of september 11th but i'll either leave that saturday or sunday i mean if you guys happen to have something that saturday september 10th i'll definitely come through because it'll only be a five-hour drive for me to get to virginia so it won't be that big of a deal but i mean i'd love to come kick it with you guys because it's just I mean, you guys, ever since I met you guys at Bowling Alley, you guys have been super dope. Yeah. You know, crazy vibes. Yeah, man. We have a lot of fun. But you definitely can come out there. We'll try to get something before you leave. How how long have you known um, – dude, forgive me because I don't know everybody's name that was there. I only remember Devin. I don't remember the other two uh, other two dudes' names that be uh, uh, rocking the merch. Yeah, um, uh, Trevor and Tori. Trevor and – okay, okay. Um, have you guys all known each other for, for a while or – yeah, so Tori, um, Tori is they don't bring his dog a lot. He has a dog named Kovu, is black and mm-hmm. brown. Uh, Tori is my cousin actually, so okay, grew up all all together, yeah, um, my whole life. And then uh, Trevor, we actually met on Fortnite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. So we were on Fortnite. Funny story, we was on Fortnite, and he was like, "Hey man, you you breed dogs? I'm trying to get into breeding dogs too." And I was like, yeah, man. And he, he, was in, he was at ECU at the time. You know, funny story. I'm going to tell all his business. But he was at ECU at the time. And we're playing Fortnite 1 o'clock in the morning. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, I want to get into breeding dogs, man. I'm like, hey, come on. He said, you, you don't you train dogs? So I said, yeah, you might as well come on up here. I'll give you a job. 
kid you not, two weeks later, he moved up here to Winston-Salem and started working with me. And that's that's, that's how that crazy. works. Literally, and literally <laughs> is like my right hand, man. I hang out with him all the time. If we work together. Uh, but he literally, literally met on Fortnite, and that's that's crazy. Um, and then Devin met him at the bowling alley. It was a funny story with me and Devin. He was obviously he's really good at bowling. I'm really good at bowling. So yeah, um, we kept. I didn't really know him, but I would bowl a high game. We would get in a high game pot, and mm-hmm. we would just didn't even know each other. I just go up to him and be like, "I bet you I'll beat you this week," and he'd be like, "I bet you won't. <laughs> I bet if I win, you have to pay for a high game next week." You know so. And that's kind of how it started. And then he had a BMW at the time and networking at his finest. I said, hey, man, join our car club. He joins the car club, then eventually gets a dog from us, then eventually starts training, you know, so kind of networking at his finest. And that's we've known each other about two years, too. So uh, him him and Trevor kind of came around around the same time. But from networking, really, from different stuff, except for Trevor, Fortnite was just Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Dude, and, and dead ass Dan, like, the first couple of weeks I was at the bowling alley and uh, for that league, I'd see these two go back. And, ma- and mainly it was, it was Antoine coming over to Devin. They'd be looking at each other's scores and shit. They'd be, <laughs> to each other. it would be funny. As- and I, I love that dude. Everybody in that league was just a vibe. Everybody was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was a challenge for, I'll be honest. I, I never had too many opportunities back home in Indiana to shoot uh sports shot patterns except for rare occasions. But you know, that, definitely humbled me i had an opportunity to make it in the top eight but you know it's just things that you're used to doing on a house shot like Mm -hmm. hooking at your spares and this that and the third you couldn't you couldn't do that so like i was having to outside of practicing outside of league i never even know i've been bowling since i was seven years old so exactly yeah i'd be telling dan all the time when I get home on Tuesdays and we be hopping on Call of Duty, he's like, how'd it go? I'm like, I had some good ones. I had some bad ones, hey, bro. That's how it went. Me, me and you used to do that. Every, I used to be like, Brian, what you doing? And you'd be like, ah. Because <laughs> Antoine would see, like, I he'd see me. I'd, at one point, I'd catch fire. Mm-hmm. I'd get to the 10th frame. He's like, bro, why'd you fuck up that game? I'm like, bro, I don't even know, bro. Like, it like, just come happened. Come on, man. Come on, man. I one know. of us got to bowl good, man. If I'm not That's bowling, what I'm saying. I know, I'm when just, he would tell me his scores, I'm like, what are you doing out there? Like, that's not exactly. what you used to do out here. It's so <laughs> different, man. House shot, you can shoot a 230, 240 with ease. You know, it's, you just throw the ball, you don't even think. You mm-hmm. come out here to sports shot, and you're barely breaking 170. You're like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with me? You almost want to just, th- like, leave your bowling stuff there. Like, whoever wants it can take it home. I don't even know. <laughs> yep. Yo, but bad. I love – but like, dude, you come from an athletic background. You were a hooper, so yeah. like, I don't, I don't back down from exactly. a challenge. Like, I'm gonna figure it out. Exactly. That's crazy. I didn't, bro. So, a uh, couple people we play Call of Duty with, they're hoopers from back home. They're really, really good. Actually, another uh, one of our buddies that we had in, I think, what episode three or four, Dan. He yeah. runs a uh, non for profit like basketball camp and stuff in okay. uh, what Tennessee. Um, so just go ball. Him, yeah, he's. He's been all over the place, man. Yeah, he's been all over the place. And then to hear you, like, I didn't even know you got down. Are you still hooping right now? Yeah, so I literally hoop almost every morning at 5 a.m. Um, over here at Clemens Gym. A uh, group of guys, really, really cool guys. Just no arguing, just get out there, play before we, get, you know, start our work day. But we literally go out there every morning at 5 a.m. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's even – it's still weird for me, man, because I'll go home to, like, family reunions and stuff. And my parents and all my uncles and aunts are like, hey, what's up, man? We're going to the gym today, you know. And they they see me as this basketball guy because I literally yeah. was the guy that was always in the gym. I'm always in the gym. I'm always in the gym. 
um, got uh, offers to play in college and all of this good stuff. And then I come to dog training. Like it's just, it's just such a big jump. Like, okay, you're a training dog now, you know? So it's such a big jump and it took a long time for me to understand that I wasn't the basketball player no more. You know, like I still love playing basketball, but for a long time, basketball was my identity and now it's not, you know? So it was, it, was, it took a long time for me to get used to that and mm-hmm. to not go to the, and I still go to the gym every day, but now lately I find myself like, I don't have to be in the gym. When I was younger, I had to be. Now I'm just like, I guess I'll go, you know? And it's, it's really a big change for me. Yeah, I think the the mental, the acceptance of like, man, I'm just either this is not what I do anymore. Or I'm really not that guy no more just because, you know, yeah. you're not dedicated to that craft. But like exactly. that that realization, man, that, that hits different. And it's a struggle like with yourself back and forth because like before certain things on my body started catching up, mainly my ankle. Like I, I was playing competitive flag football. I was hooping with the guys. I was playing competitive volleyball, I was still bowling. And then when like, bro, the only thing I do right now is is bowl and, and lift weights. And I'm just like, I'll see people hooping at LA fitness. And I, and I've been, you know, getting back in the gym, uh, as far as hooping, just working on the handle and the layups like the last three days, but I see other people running full court. I'm just like, bro, I just, (laughs) this this ain't, this ain't me no more, man. I can't, I can't afford an injury. I can still do that. You know, I can still, I can still run around. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as old as you. I can still get up and down. <laughs> but, um, I hear so many times people are like, like people older than me. They're like, "Oh man, I don't. I, I'm I'm so mad that I'm getting old and this and that." And I'm just in my head. I'm like, I'm never getting old. I'm gonna be 40 years old. I'm still gonna be doing this. But mm-hmm. I I am getting to that point where I'll get hurt and it takes longer for me to bounce back. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, this is not happening to me. I am not. Mm-hmm. I used to be able. I swear, I used to be able to windmill. I mean, I could just walk up to the goal and just dunk, just dunk, just jump up there and dunk it. Now I have to make sure I'm stretched out, played in these three games. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, I'm getting old. Oh, man. The, yeah. the lob's got to be perfect. Hey, man, yeah. throw me one right here, okay? It's got it's to be right here. It's got to be a good lob. You can't throw it anywhere, man. Oh that is gosh. fun, bro. I'm gonna need to see some clips, bro. Like I'm, bro. I'm literally standing up in the room right now, just hey, hezzy right now. Like I can't even stand still. <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna send you some, man. I, I used to be able to get up there, man. Now I can still dunk. Obviously, it's just not like I used to. I used to fly. I used to fly. So, dang, you ever poster somebody? Yeah, I got. I, got, I think four posters. And the cool thing is, you know, I'm a small guy. I'm only. Only yeah. five ten, maybe like bucks, buck sixty, soaking mm-hmm. wet. So, um, but I'm really fast. So, and even like even now, I play softball and and I literally run for all the bigger people. Get on, they get on base, I run for them. So, but I'm really really fast. And then on top of that, I was really explosive. So growing up, a lot of people couldn't stand in front of me because I was just so fast. I just I literally wouldn't. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do, go between my legs or nothing. Just in and out, go to the lane, try to dunk. And most people just wouldn't get in the way, especially where I, um, I'm from Jacksonville. So after a while, they kind of got used to, all right, he's going to run right by you. So a lot of people wouldn't even let me dunk anymore. They kind of would just move up before I could get there. I have to do a layup or shoot Clog a mid-range. lane. Yeah, they did. They kind of wouldn't even let me. So after a while, I kind of just started learning how to shoot a little bit more. As I got older, I just stopped dunking. But here and there, I'll catch somebody on a lob. They'll go up there and think that they can, you know, block the lob, and I'll catch it over them. I think I got like four or five of posters. Um, and it's, I was always scared to dunk on people because I was always scared to, 
you know, get hurt. But I, sometimes it just happened. I just go up there and they jump too. And I'm like, oh, gotcha. Yeah, because I was, I mean, I was much smaller back in like high school and college. And it's just like, bro, like I can get up there. I could touch like 10, 4, 10, 5. But if someone bumps me, <laughs> I'm flying, bro. Yes. I am not moving anybody out the way. Like. Exactly. That's how I was. You can't even touch me or I'm falling. <laughs> but that's that's the, that's the difference that's the difference between basketball and football basketball you can't even be touched anymore nah you no, can't even be touched all. lebron he don't ever get touched <laughs> Dude, they, they can't touch him bro he'll they'll disintegrate he's too big and too strong bro but let him but let him do something they oh my goodness i'm not even gonna get started on this Mm-hmm. Settle down. Settle down. All right, so we'll, I guess with that, we're just going to go right into the rapid fire. Let me get your top five ballers all time uh, that you've watched no, you right now. That. No, you mm-hmm. that was 100% one Is of those the questions. Is the question his top five favorite his, or if he's ranking the best? No, he's not ranking nothing. He's just going to tell me right off the rip his top five that he loved watching as from growing up. Basketball. Right. Uh, top five was Kobe, 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 and Kobe. Sir, just no, there's nobody else. There's nobody else that I even wanted to watch. I mean, I would turn on Kobe. If you talked while his game was on, I was cussing you out. As as a 16 year, <laughs> 15, 16 year old, if my mom and dad even started speaking while Kobe was playing, I respectfully cussed them out. It was just, <laughs> it was, bro, it was you had to have been up at 2 a.m. You, you know how late them games were? Yes. In only thing my mom allowed me to watch on a school night because she knew mm. I was gonna sneak up and go watch it anyway. Damn, no, Kobe, no, Kobe, no Kobe, uh, Kobe, you're Kobe, on the Kobe, East Coast. Kobe. No, no, Iverson over there from Philly. Oh, see, my dad's from Philly, so he loves Iverson. But oh, I mean, man, growing up, Kobe Bryant, man, RIP, man. But that's RIP, that's, dude. that's my guy. Um, now, if, if we're talking now, as I'm older and Kobe's, you know, out of the league and you know, yeah. whatever. Now I love Damian Lillard. I really, mm-hmm. really love Damian Lillard. He has such a confidential game that mimics Kobe's so much. Um, not how he plays, but how he carries himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So Damian Lillard. Oh man, and you know I just don't like I don't I don't like anybody anymore. When when Kobe <laughs> left the league and then obviously passed away, I kind of just stopped liking players so it was like i started comparing them like it's a like girlfriend or something like nope you're not as good as kobe can <laughs> can't watch you so that's tough man. yeah that's man tough. i mean the only person i can think of i mean top five. Oh man top five of all time the best yeah for you in your opinion michael jordan you have to i don't think you're allowed to put nobody over him just because it's a cuss word if you do okay um so michael jordan obviously and then i'm saying kobe hands down uh he he is my he he did everything Michael Jordan did. So I don't see how people can say he he is like Michael Jordan, so you can't put him in it. If he's like Michael Jordan, a spitting image, then how would he not be tied for first, if not second? That doesn't I understand. Um, and then third, I'm definitely giving it to LeBron. I don't like him at all, but you got to respect him. Four, probably giving it to Shaq. Okay. I don't even know who five is. Stephen Curry, KD, Kareem. Like, it's too many of them. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of them. I, that's a respectable four. Uh, I mean, I've I've grown to – I mean, dude, I'm like you. You've seen the Kobe tattoo. I grew up in the 3P area, the era of the Lakers. Yeah. You know, um, I grew up watching him, uh, Allen Iverson, Vince Carter, T-Mac, Melo. Yes, like, yes. those were my guys. Uh, LeBron Dan Dan is a LeBron guy. So oh, like no. the goat. Bro, he number no. one. He's number growing, one. <laughs> growing up, 
he was LeBron. It was crazy. Like he was LeBron. I had Kobe, one of my other closest best friends. He was a mellow guy. And then uh, another one of my boys was a D Wade guy. And they all, Jeez, so it was crazy. The top four. Crazy, crazy uh, uh, quad right there. So, I mean, for, for me, it's always going to be Kobe. I've, I've grown accustomed to liking LeBron more just because of, how high of a level he has been playing for yes. going into year 20. Yes. So it's just like, yes. bro, like, because you've seen it for so long, you, it's just like, you're like, ah, whatever. Like LeBron does it. Okay. But no one else has been able to do it for 20 years. Yeah. So he, he has grown on me more. Um, and he's just a stand up guy. He's a, he's a really good guy. He off doesn't the, have any PR issues. Yeah, you know, off like, the court, he's a great guy. So it's like, how do you hate him? How yeah. Do you hate him? Well, I don't know. I was going to ask you that because you yeah, said you don't yeah. like him at all. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's why I hate him because I can't figure out why I hate him. <laughs> that was me. That was me for a little no, bit. And then I think my I, I know why you hate him is because he's I, passed up Kobe. And that's no, 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 no. How do I get out of this podcast? How do I hang up? <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I think um, I think I don't like him because of LeBron fans. I don't like that they just disregard how great Kobe was because of how good LeBron is. That's I don't not like LeBron. I don't like the comparison and how mm-hmm. they put down Kobe when you compare him to LeBron. That's what I don't like. I don't I'll think say, I don't like him. I'll say I've seen a lot of top 10 lists that some people will be hesitant to put Kobe yes. in the top like, 10. In the top 10. Sense. I'm just like, I don't understand – you know, I'm putting him like with all due respect, God rest his soul. I'm putting him over Bill Russell. Yeah. You know, I'm putting him over Larry Bird, yep. over Magic Johnson. Uh, you know, it, it's close, but for me, it's it's Kobe. He's got five rings. It's blasphemous. He's only got one regular season MVP. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I had to choose my top five, definitely you know Kobe, AI, T Mac, Vince, LeBron. So you know those guys are interchangeable for me. My my other rapid fire question was top three rappers of oh, your man. generation. Of my generation. Well, I'm a very, well, very, it's our generation. <laughs> I'm very, very, very big little Wayne fan. Uh, okay. Sir. No argument. No yeah, argument. I'm a very big little Wayne fan. Um, so he's top no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, J Cole. I love how okay. real he is, you know, when he raps. Um, oh man. Uh, a lot of people don't know him, um, but um, there's this guy named King Los. You ever heard of him? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. yes, yes. I like King Los. He's he's really real. He I like his his flow. Um, I mean, I, I gravitate towards people that are actually trying to say something. The funny thing is, Little Wayne is totally <laughs> different than everybody else. I like, but for some reason, I love him. But the rest of them, it really my top three could be anybody that actually raps with a purpose or has some type of message in it that you can understand. I'm I'm with that. You definitely got no dispute with Lil Wayne. I like yeah. J Cole. I just don't listen to enough J Cole. Uh, King King Los, definitely somebody yeah. I've been listening to for years. Crazy yes. freestyles yes. and uh, remixes on like famous tracks. Um, nice. Is No Ceilings a top mixtape of all time? Oh, for sure. For sure. He. I mean, uh, there's like three of his mixtapes that are are top. Sorry top for the wait. Yes, That's another way. The drought. I, all of them. Dan, I, the drought matter. three. It doesn't matter. All of them. I told I, Dan. I told you this was good. People. He 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 knew what he was doing. Oh my goodness. Uh, have y'all heard about that new guy, Harry Mack? Mm-mm. 
Uh, nah. Nothing like the, the nah, uh, is he on like TikTok and be freestyling all the time? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Harry Mack, he is on Instagram as Harry Mack. Um, and he literally just off the dome goes down the street, tells somebody just give three words and he goes off the dome. He's uh goes on, you know, different. I can't figure out the app that he goes on, but he goes on this app where he just meets new people on the app. And then he starts asking them, hey, give me three words. And then on the three words, um, he just freestyles and kills it. And I'm not like he doesn't just say simple stuff. Like if they give him the word pillow, he says, yeah, I'm sleeping good on my pillow. He will say a line about the pillow and then go four more lines about the pillow. No, I've seen this guy. I I just pulled up his TikTok right now. Yes, this dude. I saw one video. He's gas, yeah. But I'm telling crazy. you, I, I listened to him yesterday or today, I think it was, and I was like, he might be top five rappers of all time because he raps just as good as rappers who write stuff down. That's how good he is. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Dan, I'm going to just get into it just because I know DC never going to listen to this, but uh, where you rank 50? For what? Wait, what? A rapper. Where, where do you rank uh, 50 Cent? Oh, in our golly. I don't really like 50 Cent. <laughs> I don't really like him, man. I mean, he has a couple of bangers, but I mean, you can pick out maybe six or seven of his good songs. And after that, where what do you know? What else do you know? About they, they, bro. <laughs> what Listen, else do you know? Nothing, nothing bro. I'll right. be honest. Like, I love 50. I, I really do. But, um, you know, we get into dispute with another guy that we game with. He's, I think he, DC's what, 23 or 24? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he's he's listened to some, but not enough. And I'm a huge Drake fan. Like, he may not write okay. a lot of his own stuff, okay. but from like Lil Wayne to me, from our generation's number one, Drake is at least top three for me with Eminem in the mix. Oh yes, um, oh yes, Eminem. <clears throat> so like, whether he's got a ghostwriter or whatever, like Drake has been able to change flows, different sounds. He's got a song for every vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a great performer. And me personally, he's top three. My our dude that we game with hates on him so much. He said he's not he's not that good. He's trash. He's got fifty and ice cube in his top three or top. What? Mm-hmm. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Ice cube? Really? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, bro, he wasn't even the best in his group. Ice cube's <laughs> not even a rapper. He's an actor. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh man. That's ridiculous. Outlandish. Yeah, it was crazy. I got uh, my last rapid fire question, and this is just random as hell. Uh, what what do you put in first in the bowl? You put the cereal or the milk? <laughs> <laughs> the cereal or the milk? Definitely the cereal, man. Definitely cool. That's crazy. You said milk first. I was kicking you out, dude. <laughs> Bro, I think I'm the only one out of like the thousand of people I ever asked this question that put the milk in first, bro. Yeah, I but told look, you you're weird for that. Totally weird. You, put the, you put the cereal, you put the cereal in the bowl, then just a little bit of milk so it doesn't get soggy. And as you get <laughs> towards the end, you gotta add some more dry cereal so that you can still have some crunchy ones. Yeah, no, I, dude, I, I don't, I don't be doing that, bro. I be you're weird I, for what you do. Dude, when I was a kid, I'd be running through boxes of cereal. Okay, so my mom knew if I was to open up that box, it was gonna be gone in like the same sitting. Okay, so rapid fire question back: Do you drink the milk after you're done? Yeah. For some reason, I feel like that's so nasty, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'll I'll do it, but most of the time. So here's here's my theory. I'll if I have a regular size bowl. I'll fill up the bowl with about 
half the bowl with milk Mm -hmm. and that box of cereal will not leave my side until that milk is gone. So I will use like, to me, that's like whatever I pour in, that's how much I'm going to use this whole time. So like I pour the cereal in, boom, eat the whole damn thing. Still got some more milk in there, put some more cereal in, eat that. And if I got a little bit more, I just keep putting more cereal in. Like to me, I just think, I don't know that that's just how I've always done it. Well, that's fine. Cause you're, you're not drinking the milk. You're adding more cereal to finish the milk, but not just, you're done with cereal and then you start drinking all the milk that has the leftover stuff in it. I just don't think that, I don't know why it's not cereal. But it's it like barbaric. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know the last time yeah. I've actually had cereal. I haven't had it in a long time, but Me I know either. like every time I bring it up, uh, you know, I always tell them the gripe is, man, you put milk in before the cereal. I'm like, bro, That's in my weird, humble though. opinion, I feel a little, I'm a little bit more normal than you. Like, Until <laughs> <laughs> you get to oh, that. But yeah, that's a. Uh, th- those are my rapid fire questions. I don't know why I was singing about that today. I was like, man, don't get a good laugh out of that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, well, I think we can start closing this uh, this thing out. Uh, we've touched on some really really good things, man. I love the information that you provided, bro. And I'm just, we've had so many of our friends come on here that talk about like the businesses that they've started and just, you know, I've all like since high school, I've always been super happy for for my friends and just championing them and anything they want to accomplish. And like, even though I've only known you for a short while, I can just, I can see how much you're invested into this business and how much you enjoy doing it yeah. and who you've affected. And I just, I appreciate that, man. And I, I enjoy seeing what you do. Yeah, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, you got anything you want to say to our boy Antoine here before we, we sign it off and everything? Uh, yeah, man. I just want to uh, give you a heads up. That I'm going to edit this podcast and have you say your top five is LeBron, 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 LeBron. LeBron. Oh, no way. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I figure out how to edit over it. <laughs> yeah, no, That's awesome. No, I'm just playing. But, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you all for having me on, man. I've had a lot of fun. Absolutely, bro. We'll have to we'll have to do this again sometime, even if we just want to, you know, just chop it up with, you know, just general conversation and stuff. But Yeah, uh, y'all got to get off of that Call of Duty and get on Fortnite. <clears throat> That's going to be a no for me, big dog. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing's what? breaking up. Are you guys still there? Even Fortnite with the no build mode, what? Yeah, I just I've, I've jumped on and played it a few times. It's just like, bro, no I, cap. Fortnite I've never played. Never, never, never really, played Fortnite. I've okay. never played Fortnite. Like my first BR because I was off the Call of Duty scene for a long time. But my first BR was when Call of Duty dropped Warzone, and we're talking like what three years ago now. Mm. Yeah, I've never touched Fortnite one time. I mean, I can. Oh, Is that what you're playing right now? Yeah, that's what I'm playing right now. All right, dude. Well, let me like let me level up a little bit, bro. I ain't gonna have you sauce me like that first time getting on. So, <laughs> so uh, one more time before I sign you off, if anybody is looking into dog training or looking into a new puppy, uh, where should they go and and how should they contact you? Yeah, so you can either go right on Instagram or Facebook. Instagram is Real Deal Kennels uh, underscore NC underscore. You can go on Facebook and just type in Real Deal Kennels. It should pop up. Um, and then you can also go to our website is www realdealk.com so realdealk.com and then uh, we got so many platforms everything real deal real deal cars uh, real deal cars is real underscore deal underscore cars um, and then we have real deal customs don't forget them they wrap cars and make merch uh, people that have businesses if you need shirts and stuff like that apparel uh, that's real deal customs um, on instagram so we have so many so many different platforms to reach us for anything um, and just reach out and we got you that sounds good, man. I'm going to make sure I plug everything and all the pages that I can on the uh, upcoming stories probably tomorrow morning. 
So with that being said, this has been the No Script Podcast. We out.